everyone, and welcome to episode number 331 of The Freelancer Show. This week on our panel, we have Jonathan Stark. Hello. And Eric Dietrich. Hey, everybody. And Jeremy Green. Hey, hey. And I'm Reuven Lerner, and we are going to be talking this week about using a CRM, a... Uh, it stands for Customer Relationship Manager, right? <laughs> now, demonstrating my great expertise. <laughs> <laughs> this episode is sponsored by Sentry.io. Recently, I came across a great tool for tracking and monitoring problems in my apps. Then I asked them if they wanted to sponsor the show and allow me to share my experience with you. Sentry provides a terrific interface for keeping track of what's going on with my app. It also tracks releases so I can tell if what I deployed makes things better or worse. They give full stack traces and as much information as possible about the situation when the error occurred to help you track down the errors. Plus, one thing I love, you can customize the context provided by Sentry. So, if you're looking for specific information about the request, you can provide it. It automatically scrubs passwords and secure information, and you can customize the scrubbing as well. Finally, it has a user feedback system built in that you can use to get information from your users. Oh, and I also love that they support open source to the point where they actually open source Sentry if you want to self-host it. Use the code devchat at sentry.io to get two months free on Sentry's small plan. That's code devchat at sentry.io. So, so I'll, I'll, I'll give a, a little bit of background for me, which is I've been in business, as many of you know, for a long time, since like 1995. And the way that I managed my clients was typically in a text document um, and my inbox and my memory and my calendar. And um, so long as I had a very small number of clients, that actually worked okay, I guess. And a few months ago, uh, listen, Witherill, who you might remember from being on the show a few months ago, he was like, listen, if you wanna be serious, you gotta use the CRM because there's no way that your memory can keep track of all the people you have talked to, wanna talk to, um, intend to follow up with. And I basically dragged my feet on doing that. And finally he asked me, so what's going on with that? And I started using one. And I must say, just in the like two months or so that I've been using it, it has been a sea change. So um, I know that I'm still like a super newbie at using a CRM, but I'm already so uh, impressed by it that we can talk about it and what I benefited from and what I'm not doing right and what I could have gotten, like <laughs> how I could have used a spreadsheet and gotten exactly the same results with less money. So <laughs> let's start with like, um, who, who uses a CRM here? Uh, I do for our business hit subscribe. Um, we actually use one and collaborate on it, uh, HubSpots, which is free and it's a pretty nice tool. So it's funny you mentioned HubSpot. Like I've heard great things about HubSpot, but after reading the Dan Lyons book, I just can't hear their name and like not smirk. So it might be a great thing, but he did some serious disservice to their PR <laughs> uh, in his fantastic, fantastic book. Um, oh, I hadn't heard that. What was the... Uh... Oh, the God. backstory. Or maybe oh, like he should ruin it for us. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's here. I, I, I mean, like, I'm sh I'm sure, like, the product is very good. Let me just see what it was called. Oh, it was called the, his book was called Disrupted: My Misadventure in the Startup Bubble. And basically, Dan Lyons is this famous uh, tech journalist who was laid off and needed some work, so he went to work at HubSpot as a content person. And um, anyone who's worked in the computer industry must read this book. I'll put it in my picks as well. Um, it is riotously funny and also you will recognize everything he says there is true and painfully so about how stars spend way more time worrying about like company culture and are the cushions squishy enough and are the ping pong tables <laughs> numerous enough and not like are we actually making money um 
Uh, are we actually treating our clients well? So it's like super, super wonderful book. And it just so happens he worked at HubSpot. And so like he totally trashed mm. them, even though I'm sure like for many of their customers, they're great. <laughs> so, uh, we'll speak, so I'll throw my hat in with the uh, don't use a CRM crowd. I, I have had specific one specific use case in the past where I used Streak CRM, which plugs into my Gmail, plugs into your Gmail inbox. But uh, I that was just a, a short term thing. And once it was over, I stopped doing it. Like I was saying before the show, I, I sold out my coaching program now and I, I oversold it a little bit. So I literally have like 11 sticky notes on my desk, it, which I've never had it to have before because I could always just re- keep everything in mind. Like, but with 11 people, it's like a lot of a lot of, you know, details that I need quick, quick access to, but I don't need. It's and I don't have like a great place to put them. I imagine a CRM would be a good place to put that. So, so yeah, I, I oh, also sorry. don't use a CRM and have at times sort of tried to hack one together by using Sane later to, you know, resurface emails into my inbox uh, when I need to take care of them. But I uh, don't have very good habits built around doing that consistently. So here's what I've started to discover a CRM can do for me, again, much to my great surprise. First of all, um, I deal with a lot of different clients and I constantly have things to do for them. So whether it, and, and I'm, I'm ignoring like my accountant, I'm ignoring all the stuff that I do like that I put on my to-do list, but you know, this client needs a proposal and that client is maybe interested in something. And this client, like these people called me and I want to call back to know about such and such a course. And so for years, I was basically, as I said, managing it with like text files and my inbox and so forth. And by having it on a CRM, first of all, it just organizes things. It lets me see like, okay, here are the people I need to get back to today. And here are the people I need to get back to in three days. And here are the people I can get back to next week. But the other thing is, and this is one of these things that Liston has sort of taught me, that part of sales, a large part of it is following up with people and following up with people both who do respond to you and who don't respond to you. And it's especially the don't respond to you people where I found the CRM to be really useful, where I basically put all the people with whom I'm in touch in the CRM. And then when I email them, I list them in the CRM and you can do that automatically. Like the one that I'm using, I'm using Pipedrive, but I'm sure most of them have this functionality where you can BCC the CRM and it then gets a copy of your email and it automatically attaches that message to the person's record. So it knows that you've emailed this person and when you pull their record up, you get a history of all the email and then it can say, when do you next want to follow up? So I can say, okay, I emailed them today. I'm going to follow up in two weeks. Um, and so I have this sort of running list of who I've talked to, when I've talked to them and when I want to talk to them next. And that has cleared my head and that has also made it possible for me to um, like not have to worry, am I, is someone falling through the cracks? And it's, it's really been like quite an amazing thing to sort of see in front of me, oh, here are all these different clients I've worked with over the last few years and I can ask them, are they interested in courses, right? I haven't spoken to you in a, in a year. I haven't spoken to you in six months. Are you interested? And um, you know, worst case, you know, worst case scenario, basically, they'll, they won't respond. Best case scenario, they'll respond and say, yes, I do want a course. So so I found it to be like good in that way. Yeah, I could echo the sentiment of like you probably if you have a, and the agency also, you know, has a number of clients and um, 
also um, prospects in the pipeline at any one time. So if you're doing like um, sequential contracting or something, it may not be as necessary. But for the amount of prospects that we have, I was vastly overestimating my ability to remember what was going on with all them. And I would, um, when, when we started using the CRM, I was amazed by how many times something would come up and I'd say, oh, them, right, we owe them an email. Whatever happened with them? And um, there was this kind of flip that happened as we started using the system where I realized just how many uh, initial prospect conversations I was completely forgetting about and that would just kind of go nowhere because I didn't reach back out. Yeah, I can definitely think of some prospects over the years that I just let go cold because I wasn't proactively following up and, you know, it was just sort of waiting on them to get back to me and assume that well, when they do, we'll pick it back up. And I'm sure at least one or two of those probably could have turned into something if I would have been more proactive about it. Yeah. Especially when you're busy with client work, it's really, you're like, Oh, I'm busy. I'm never not going to have money. I'm never going to need to find clients. And, you know, and, and so things are, I know for sure I've done that a million times where like somebody, you know, since we start an email thread and then it doesn't feel super urgent. So I would just, you know, like let it go cold almost, you know, maybe consciously, maybe not consciously, but just like, eh, whatever, if they need me, they'll come back kind of thing. Uh, but recently I had the experience of sort of similar experience to uh, what you were just saying, which is, uh, I, I went back and I was like, you know, most of my private coaching students, they come from folks who had uh, a coaching call with me, a one-off coaching call with me. But, you know, I probably only had like four or five of those in the past few months or whatever. And then you, I go back and search like my, the payment history. And I'm like, there's like 20 people here that I could, <laughs> you know, like, Hey, by the way, you know, I'm about to raise the price on this thing. Maybe you'd be interested in it. So it's, it's like, it's like, wow, I really, I mean, I know my memory's bad. But it was even that I was shocked when I actually saw the numbers. So there's no there's no doubt that um, I'm sure I would benefit from it. But let me ask you this, you know, especially uh, Eric and Reuven, I almost feel like I would need to set up a reminder for me to check the CRM. <laughs> you know, like like it's <laughs> it feels like another inbox. Like, do you just have it open all day or do you have like a particular time you look at it or what's the trigger for you to go in there and be like, hmm, I should look at the CRM? Um, so I don't uh, have a trigger or anything like that. I also don't necessarily go into it actively. Um, HubSpot has a Gmail plugin that integrates pretty tightly. So what I'll do is... Um, record all of the conversations that I'm having with prospects and clients. So they're in there. And then if I'm ever interested in the history, I'll go into the CRM and kind of look through a conversation. And then we have regular, um, uh, so weekly or so we'll kind of go through the state of clients and prospects with the business. And that is a time that I'll kind of go in and set things up. And then, uh, Aaron, who works for us that, uh, does account management, customer success, She's in the CRM a lot more often than me, and she is kind of scheduling uh, follow-up sequences and that sort of thing. So if if we were able to bring her into this conversation, she could probably speak to that better than I could. But I think she's probably in there once a day and has a set kind of standard operating procedure that she goes through as to what to check in there. Mm, that makes sense. And so now both Pipedrive and HubSpot basically have email integration, it sounds like. So you can kind of just 
you know, like how does it work with pipe drive? Uh, sorry, pipe drive. Ruben said pipe drive. You'd BCC pipe drive, but how does it work with HubSpot? Um, with that plugin, the most basic thing is that you can set this by default. There are two um, things that go into each Gmail email. Like you see this checkbox for track and one for log. And track is something I don't generally um, do because that's like it, it puts a pixel in the email. So yeah. you can see if somebody's opened it. I'm not like a huge fan of doing that. Um, and then log just it's the equivalent of BCCing it to the CRM. You just check the log box. Um, and you can set it up to log everything by default. I don't do that because I manage all kinds of email, including personal in my one inbox. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I prefer to leave it unchecked, but you can set it to default in either case. Um, and then you can, it'll pop um, periodic reminders of stuff to me too inside of Gmail. So it's more than just those two checkboxes, but those are the main things that I see. Cool. Streak was like that too. It, it integrated with Gmail, but it, the whole entire thing lived in there and it, it would add sort of these custom controls to the interface, which was pretty cool because you could kind of, uh, you know, in the moment, like in the, in that moment when you're like, Whoa, I, you know, I'm, oh, it's like one minute before our phone call and I haven't dug up all the email threads. Like I thought I was going to, you can just click on this one thing and it's like, boom, like a quick view of the entire history of the conversation. It's more than just a thread too. It's like you can add random notes and stuff like, um, like thoughts like, Oh, next time I talk to this person, I should probably talk about this. Or, um, I suggested to the person that they try this. So next time I talk to them, I should follow up and say, Hey, did you, did you take that action you were thinking about taking? So you can kind of, it's, it's a million little reminders for yourself so that in the context of, uh, really, really, I've found probably it seems to me that the most useful time for being able to access that information would be in a real time phone conversation or something like that, where you want to prep for the meeting real quick right before the meeting uh, or something like that. But certainly, certainly the follow up stuff would be would be really cool. Um, there have been has anybody used uh, what's it called? Boomerang? I've heard of it. That's the, like the Gmail, rem like send email later sort of thing. Right. Like you, you kind of author the, e I tested this one too. And it would be like, say, Hey, um, uh, you know, I, I sent somebody a proposal and, you know, over email and then say, I'll, I'll, I'll loop back with you in three days if I haven't heard back yet and see what's going on. And what I do now is I just put that in my calendar. I just say like, you know, on Wednesday the 3rd, I said that I would call Sam back. I, I would email Sam back about the proposal. And so then when Wednesday rolls around, my calendar tells me that I need to do it. But in with uh, Boomerang, you'd write the Wednesday email now and and set it up to send automatically. And it was smart enough to know that if, you know, what did I say, Sam? If Sam gets back to me before Wednesday, it'll cancel the scheduled email automatically. Mm. And the the problem with that, and it sounds cool on paper, but the problem with that in practice was that I didn't trust it. So, <laughs> and, and, and I would forget that I did it. So then at Wednesday would roll around, I'd be like, oh, did I ever follow up on that email? And then I'd see this sent email that I didn't remember sending. And I was like, um, it was weird. <laughs> it was like, it was kind of like having an assistant, but without knowing you have an assistant. So, you know, obviously I would have gotten over that if I stuck with it, but I don't know. It felt, uh, I don't know. It, it didn't, it didn't stick with me. I didn't, I didn't dig that. It wasn't, 
serious enough. It wasn't big enough for me to take it seriously. It was like this little, it was too small kind of like it wasn't, there was, I had made no mental or emotional investment in the idea of getting automated in my sales process. So it was not a great fit for me, but it is a pretty cool feature. It sounds like HubSpot does that. I, yeah, I, I was know also that. like, um, it, it, HubSpot has a lot of capabilities. I just realized too, I sold something short in the Gmail integration, which is that there's a little info window you can click on. And if you have a person that you're emailing back and forth with, um, there's this, I'm looking at it now and it says, you can view more information about this person, um, call them, you know, who do they work for? So right within Gmail's window, you kind of have a dossier on them, assuming you've recorded that information in the CRM. Mm, and cool. like in HubSpot too, there's all kinds of automation. Like you could get out of Gmail altogether and compose emails in HubSpot. It's almost like, it's really cool, but you're almost overwhelmed with options when you're getting going. And I remember that being one of the barriers to entry to me with all these CRMs is like, I almost wanted to go from my inbox to just like a spreadsheet or something simple. And then if you go to a CRM, it's kind of like, well, okay, set up all these deals and structures and workflows. And I'm like, I don't, I don't want to do all that yet. <laughs> like yeah. I just want to record like yeah, when conversion I goals. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I used, like, uh, oh, I was going to say I've used Like I mentioned before the same later, uh, feature that's very similar to what Jonathan just described with Boomerang, where you could say, you know, you email something to three days from now at sayinglater.com and it then just comes back to the top of your inbox three days later. And, you know, you could just like forward the thread and decide, okay, I'm going to write something then, or I did on occasion actually write an email and then send it to say later. And then it came back and I just did, you know, edit as new and change the to address uh, to send it, um, which I, I do like that, that it's a little bit more kind of, uh, you know, in my face than what you just described there, Jonathan, where the, <laughs> it, it just sends it and you don't know that it happens. You know, you, it does just come back at the top of your inbox. Uh, so you can look at it and deal with it. But I also did feel like I sort of had to invent a mental model for how I was going to handle all of this stuff and then just be consistent in application of it and I didn't ever fall into good habits on that. Um, and yeah, so I, I think I agree that that kind of seems like a little bit too little, uh, to really make it a valid CRM. Yeah. It's like, it's like you're not taking it seriously or something. Yeah. So your, your brain doesn't make the leap into like, okay, this is, this is a, this is a new system that I'm going to trust. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's too small. It's funny you mentioned, like, I, so I, I actually double-checked, and Pipedrive does have mail integration, but it's in their more expensive plan that I didn't sign up for because, A, I'm a cheapskate, and B, like, I didn't, <laughs> I, I didn't think I really needed it. Um, and I, I think I also get, like, funny feelings about another program sort of going through my mail and analyzing and looking at it. it just sort of feels a little weird to me. Um, but I definitely have found, like, over the last few weeks since I started using a CRM, Every time someone calls me or emails me a new prospect, um, I immediately put them into the system. And then I'm getting better and better about including them on these BCCs. And so it's going to take time, right? But like over time, I'm going to have this list of people and companies who are interested in working with me and the history of contacting them. And one company already, um, they said, well, you know, person A is leaving the company, so person B is going to take over for them. 
And maybe my email finally will be in the same mailbox, right? But like in the CRM, it's the same institution, it's the same deal, and it just continues sort of seamlessly, and I can see the entire history from the beginning of everything I was doing with them. Um, so what's going to happen is I'll have what looks like a dry spell coming up, or I'll be sort of curious to know if people are interested. I can see, you know, with whom have I not emailed in the last six months? And then I can just say, hey, are you interested in scheduling something? And that alone, that power to say, here are all the people I've communicated with in the last year, and, and let me find the people who have not done deals with me, and let me email them. Just that is pretty powerful for ensuring that I'm not going to have a dry spell. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Do any of these, here's the thing that, that I feel bad about. Like I, sh, I should be able to have this information where someone will, because I have a lot of little products and when someone buys a big one, I don't have an easy, it's a very manual, it would be a very manual process for me to go back and see like what led them to this point, you know, like what. You know, when did they join my list? What was the first thing they bought? Did they buy anything else? Are they in my group coaching? Oh, they, they get that for free if they get private coaching. So I should cancel that. And like there are all of these. It's almost like I don't. It's almost like part of me cares more about tracking it after the sale or like at the point of sale and then being able to look back and see, you know, what almost like in an analytics way to say like, oh, well, what works? You know, like what is there a trigger thing across all the customers that is an indicate, you know, like I, I said earlier about like individual coaching calls, like that's a, that's a huge indicator that someone is, is considering taking the next step, like making a leap to the next level. But I imagine there are probably other ones that are farther down the, farther down the, uh, I guess farther up the funnel would be the, so the terminology. Jonathan, what I find sort of amusing in what you're saying is as, as you guys might know over the last few months, Drip has been trying to reposition itself as what they call an e-CRM, like an e-commerce CRM. Oh, and, right. And I'm like, what the heck do they mean by that? I actually spoke like earlier today with some of the Drip people and talked about some features and gave them some feedback on stuff. And I'm overall pretty happy with the product. But your description just now was sharper and better than anything they've said so far, which is I'm going to have this history of interactions with someone before this sale. And then when the sale has happened, I can analyze where they've been, what they've done, what the interactions were, and what's more likely to lead to a sale. So Mm -hmm. in that sense, it is a CRM for doing that sort of analytics, assuming they can provide that sort of analytical data, which I'm not entirely sure of. Oh, that's Yeah, because I'm a drip guy, but all of the marketing that I've gotten from them makes it seem like e-commerce, that they're targeting the sort of Shopify space, like e-commerce, people who sell cups and sneakers and stuff, and like... And I, I don't do that. And so I don't, I don't know if eh, it's funny cause I've been kind of, kind of, you know, not been very uninterested in all of the marketing around that, but maybe it, maybe it would be of use. I don't know if you're like me, but when I have a new idea, I probably spend an hour looking for a domain that communicates the right thing to the right people so that they know what I'm about. And that's why I've picked up as a sponsor the .tech domains, and you should definitely check them out. There's never been a domain that's helped represent the tech community so well. Getting a domain that's relevant to your brand, that helps encapsulate the ethos of what you're doing is just, it's hard. And the .coms a lot of times are taken up, and so having a .tech is really, really awesome. 
Now, I have actually picked up devchat.tech. We have a lot of SEO behind devchat.tv, so I probably won't switch, but I wanted that out there so that people can pick it up and know that DevChat is about tech. And, and I just, I love the idea. So using a .tech domain was an awesome solution for us. It's short, it's relevant to what we do. It just sticks in people's head. It's a natural fit for anything technology. So if you're a programmer, if you're working on a tech startup or an open source library or things like that, it's definitely a great way to go. In fact, a lot of other companies have actually been moving over to .tech. So CES, which is a conference that I go to every year and uh, go check out all the new technology. They switched over to CES.tech from CESweb.org. Viacom has Viacom.tech to host their tech division. Intel chose Insight.tech for their latest initiative. Startups on a tech domain have raised more than a billion dollars on a .tech domain. So if you want your own .tech domain, go to go.tech slash freelancer and use the coupon code freelancer.tech and get a one-year tech domain at $9.99 and a five-year .tech domain at $49.99. Now, if you use this coupon code to get a .tech domain, tweet at me at cmaxw and let me know what .tech domain you got so that I can shout it out on Twitter. Uh, I'd really love to see what you're doing with this. And I think it's just a great product. So go check it out at go.tech slash freelancer and get this deal today. I do know that like with HubSpot that we use, um, they certainly want to steer you. Like I'm using a free instance, but a lot of the cool features in here and I haven't had a chance to dig into all the different pricing tiers. It almost feels like the way that like, you know, cloud tech feels where I'm sort of terrified of them starting to run some kind of meter on me. Um, But I do know that they want to move you along to more and more intelligence, like earlier and earlier in your sales pipeline. So it might be overkill. Like I get the sense what I'm doing with HubSpot is well suited when you have clients. Like I don't think it would work for smaller B2C type offerings. Maybe it would. I don't know. Um, but it seems well suited for what we're doing, which is B two B with a lifetime value in the fives to six figures. Um, yeah, seems kind of right. perfect for that. I don't mm-hmm. know how it would go with individuals and how easy that would be to track. Mm-hmm. Well, that's just the thing. Like, use a CRM for big clients where it's big ticket items, and I guess uh, you know you use a, an email system or a drip type of system for you know larger, smaller margin clients or larger numbers of smaller margin clients where it's a statistical game. Like, well, I see that most people who bought A also bought B, so let me pitch B to the people who bought A and haven't yet bought it. Right, right that's the sort of right. thing you're doing, but it's not nearly as individual, as high touch, or as profitable per client as the, right. the big ones. Yeah, HubSpot strikes me as, and in the, in the sort of more heavyweight ones strike me as a good fit for long sales cycles. So that's yeah. usually usually going to mean bigger ticket things where, you know, when there's like when you're selling stuff for twenty nine bucks and it's an impulse buy for most people, then it's really more about the analytics. And, you know, like Ruben just described, it's like, well, you know, tons of people that bought A ended up buying B eventually and we're really happy with it. So maybe I should customize the, you know, because so, it's funny because I don't want this to sound like really, um, I don't know, it sounds kind of like. Uh, mercenary or or transactional but if a bunch of people bought product a and went on to be very happy with product b then rather than than hit people who bought product a over the head with like here's six things you can buy from me it's like well here's the one thing that's probably the best fit for you so you're kind of like you know people it's kind of like on amazon where people who bought this also bought that kind of like uh recommended uh, recommended items that you're probably going to like, you know, so it's, mm. it is relevant. They've sent a very strong signal that 
that they're into a particular thing and that they're at a particular place. So why not give them something that's customized specifically to what, what is probably a good next step for them instead of like, here's a link to my sales page with 50 million things on it. So I kind of, I see it as a, I see it as a service to the, to the, um, you know, to the, the person who's reading it, you know, whether, whatever you want to call them, the lead or the, the customer, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. It's sort of a continuation of your funnel as you walk them up or across a product ladder. Uh, and like you say, you know, you're not putting on them to figure out what they need next. You're helping them step through things in a logical sequence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So, huh, so, so I guess that, yeah, go ahead. Well, I'm, I'm curious, like, so Jonathan, Jeremy, like, if you could have your ideal CRM, like let's say you like could design a product based on what you've heard and what, based on what, like what, what do you need to keep track of your customers that this doesn't seem to address? Yeah, that's, uh, it's actually a good question. I think, so one thing for sure is I, I wouldn't want it to end with the sale, you know, I, I, because, um, you know, lots of smaller sales lead to bigger sales. I don't want it to, it wouldn't want it to be just like, um, you know, you know, once uh, I, I kind of want it to continue into the delivery portion. So for something that's long term, like uh, the pricing seminar or or private coaching, which lasts three months, I, I would want it to kind of be smart that whole time, like even during the delivery of the thing. Like, OK, you know, there's there's uh, whatever. We're, we're four weeks out from their expiration date. You should probably check with them to see if, you know, are they happy with the way things are going? Do they think they're going to? Um, do we think together that we're going to be done in a month or should we talk about extending, you know, it, just a reminder to have that kind of conversation? Because I do all that stuff now manually and it would be cool if it was just automatic. And then at any given point in time, I could have, uh, you know, I have tons of phone calls. It's like before the phone call, I'd love to be able to pull up, you know, like Eric said, a dossier of the the, the bullet points, the big picture, you know, been been in my orbit since 2015 was bought the original hourly billing. It's nuts, you know, stuff like that and just have like a full picture. Cause a lot of times I feel like, um, I'll talk to someone and they, they don't expect me to know that information. Like people recognize that when they jump on a phone call with me, I'm not going to remember that we had, or they don't expect me to remember that we had an email exchange two years ago when they had pre before they ever bought anything from me and they were just like a person on my list. But I wish I knew that Like they don't expect me to know it, but it would be so cool if I did know it. You know what right. I mean? Because mm -hmm. it would help inform it would help inform. I feel like it would help inform the whole conversation. I'm not sure if it would be in a meaningful way, but it would make me feel a little bit tighter with them. It would make me feel a little bit. I feel like I'd be able to. I don't know. It's like. I'd have more respect to the wrong word and appreciation. I'd have more of an appreciation for the, their side of the relationship because they remember being on my list in 2015 and it stinks that I don't, but how would I know that? I, you know, there's no way that I would know that in, well, unless maybe this is the way <laughs> it would be. I would like it if I knew everything while I was talking to someone. It makes a great impression for us when we're doing sales calls or in the pre-sales process. I mean, it's a little different since um, uh, these are folks that have been following you for a long time. Probably not going to be true of our prospects, but um, usually prospects are prepared when I get on the phone with them to um, launch into a lengthy background on themselves, which you know I encourage them to do because I'd like to learn more. But they're generally impressed when 
we have this kind of pre-sales dossier and I say, oh, okay, I can see what sort of domain authority you have and it looks like you're publishing to your blog currently once a week. Um, coming to the call with that information generally makes a very good impression. Yeah, it's like going to the doctor. You don't, you don't want the doctor that you've been going to for five years. And granted, he only sees me once a year, but you don't want him to, you don't want to have to like remind him of everything. Like, yeah, remember, you know, I had that thing removed and whatever, <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, you want, you know, and he's got this giant binder that he's like flipping through as we're talking. He's like, oh yeah, okay. I remember you had this and this and this and you're falling apart and so on and so forth. Your blood results are getting better or worse. Like he's got all that information and it's paper format. So it's not the, you know, whatever, it's a different physical situation, but, uh, no pun intended, but the, but that concept of being able to walk into the room and have the stuff that's in the dossier, you know, brought, having, you know, your executive function function has kind of brought it back to top of mind for the purpose of this phone call. And it's like, Oh yeah, I, I do remember that now that I see it, I do remember it. And, uh, and then you can kind of like, you know, just kind of appreciate the whole context, the, the way that they probably are because they, they were coming at it from a different perspective the whole time. And yeah, I think, I think that would be amazing that in fact, that's probably the strongest selling point of, cause I don't, I don't know. I don't feel like I care that much about the sales aspect, but being able to come into like meetings with a full understanding of the other person's context is really, that is really attractive. It's, it's really sort cool. of, it's sort of like if you go to meet with a new client and beforehand you search online and try to find out as much as you can about them. So you walk in there knowledgeable and getting the right, as you say, context. So here that's true, but it's sort of looking backwards with your personal interactions, which is what's important here, given that it's you and them via your mailing list and products. Um, and you can pull that up and right, wh whether it's impressive to them or not, it gives you the right information you need to talk to them and also project more empathy. Right. It, it, I think it allows you, it would allow me to be more effective, like bottom mm -hmm. line. Right. I'm sold. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> who, who do I talk to? What's the next step? So, so I, it sounds like Pipedrive is the one that uh, Kai has recommended to me in the past. He, he started with Streak. He moved to Pipedrive. He's been very happy with Pipedrive. Um, I mean, what, what do people, but for me, it would be super important that, um, there was email integration that would, and Slack integration would be amazing because those are the, those are my two communication channels. So that, that would be super cool. I don't know if Pipedrive, I think Pipedrive has pretty good Zapier support. So maybe that would be possible. I'm sure there's something you can do with Slack. What, what, what exactly would you want to do from Slack to like a CRM though? Like send them at like slash. CRM send a command that kind of thing yeah like like well I guess well yeah kind of yeah I can see yeah. reminders coming from the CRM into slack being oh, handy that's good uh, that's good yeah that would be great you know oh you know four weeks before coaching is going to expire do you want to renew type thing um or just to remind me to have the conversation before our call uh, another thing would be it would be cool to know I suppose I could get this from the sales. I could get this from sales, but um, from sales information. But people, you know, people cross by, so it would be interesting to know that people who are in who who's in both group coaching and private coaching. Some people like to be in both because they're different different contexts, or 
who went from one to the other or the other way around. But there's, but what happens a lot of times is someone will be in group coaching and then they'll DM me and they're like, I'm thinking about private coaching. This is like an ad for my private coaching. Sorry. But the, the, but they'll, so they'll DM me and we'll have this sales conversation basically in a DM in Slack. And so now they've maybe emailed me a few times. They've maybe filled out uh, an application on type form that gets sent to my email. Then we've chatted about it in one of the Slack's room, Slack rooms we're in together. I don't know, you know, so probably, you know, honestly, now that I'm talking through it, it probably would be something I'd have to copy out of there because you would, first of all, to be a DM almost every time. So you're probably not going to get Slack integration there. And, mm-hmm. and I wouldn't know, it's not necessarily always a Slack room that I can control. So it might be somebody else's Slack. So then I definitely wouldn't be able to integrate it. So I'd have to like say, you know, copy it out, maybe email it to myself or email it to Pipedrive or put it in Pipedrive or HubSpot or one of them. But yeah, like the, the communications are all over the place and I can remember having a particular conversation with someone, but I can't remember where it was. You know, it's like, was that, did they text me? It was in Slack, which Slack, was it a DM? You know, was it an email? It was really hard to find. Jesus, yeah, it sounds like you're a perfect use case for CRM. <laughs> it's like exactly <laughs> the problem. So if you're going to pick a CRM, I had a lot of trouble with this, and I just kind of wound up throwing a dart at the dartboard because um, <clears throat> they're often feature-rich and confusing. But I think the biggest thing would be that it needs to completely or as much as possible eliminate the barrier between you receiving information that's relevant and you recording that information somehow. Like yeah. that's the big thing. Mm-hmm. Yes. So it sounds like email is pretty well solved. You can just, yeah. you know, in various cases, you can either BCC the app or check a box. Uh, kick- Streak was similar. Streak was super easy in that regard with email. But I don't do all that. You know, maybe half of my sales conversations happen over email and the rest of them. Are, some of them are DMs and Twitter. I mean, it's like it could happen anywhere. Oh. <laughs> they also have uh, integration with Calendar. And there, I don't know, like... I decided to have it integrate totally with my calendar. Like all the things I have to do are put on my calendar and I'm half happy with that. Cause on the one yeah. hand, great. Like now on my calendar, I have all these things that I put in the CRM. So I don't have to do what you had mentioned before or asked about before, like go to the actual page and look at it on the web. On the other mm-hmm. hand, it asked me, do you want to do a one way or two way? I was like, Oh, I guess I'll do it two way. And now in my see C- and meaning it'll sync both ways. So like everything from your CRM goes on your calendar, but everything from your calendar goes in your CRM. And so now like, you know, buy health <laughs> insurance before traveling to the US tomorrow, like that's in my uh, CRM. So I, I think I'm gonna like turn, <laughs> t- turn it back. Like, and insurance companies are great in many ways, but they're not really my customers. Uh, I mean, so I mean, I'm I'm paying them money. Uh, so I, um, I, I may need to like adjust that sort of thinking. Yeah, yeah I, just, <laughs> I just got this image of you calling your insurance company and saying, while I have you, can I interest you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> hey, what do you think about hourly billing? It's nuts, right? <laughs> Jehovah's Witnesses. Uh, yeah, I'll, can I talk to you? Hey folks, I found a terrific tool for planning out your projects and setting timelines. It's actually terrific. If you've ever used a Gantt chart before, it's based on that. 
but it's got a whole lot of other great features. It's an interactive online project management tool for people who love planning with timelines and Gantt charts. The thing that I like about it is that I can actually plan things out and I can get a tentative timeline for what's going on. And then it's got a simple UI with drag and drop capabilities that make it really easy for me to adjust the timeline and it'll automatically adjust everything else based on what is dependent on what is dependent on what. And it's just, it's terrific. Um, so the, the online process and learning curve are really, really short. It's a terrific fit for both individual freelancers and for teams. Project coordinators love the simple planning and other great features like workload, task assignments, deadlines, critical path, uh, baseline. Uh, teams use it for online uh, collaboration. To, you can leave comments, you can attach files, you can send notifications, the whole nine yards. Um, it integrates with Jira if you're using Jira. But the other killer feature for me was that you can actually switch it over and you can see it in a Kanban board view, which is awesome. You can get a 14-day trial at gantpro.com. You can also use their software development project template if that's what you're into. And that's at gantpro.com slash software dash development dash plan dash template. And if you use the code devchat, you can get $50 off for using Gantt Pro. So go check it out at gantpro.com. So this is actually, a, this is the first solid argument that uh, I've encountered in 10 years of doing it, of having a separate calendar for work and, business and personal. Because so, that would solve your problem. Because two-way integration is, is nice, but uh, it sounds like you, like, uh, it sounds like uh, you have a similar approach where I, I have like, you know, fixed number of hours per day and any commitments that I have, any appointments that I have, it doesn't matter if it's personal or not personal, it's got to go in the calendar. So, um, you know, it's like if it takes my attention, it, it doesn't matter. Like if, if it's taking the kids to the dentist or doing a coaching call, it's like it's the it blocks out the time. So, That's so right. when people sign up for my, when I send somebody a Calendly and they, they pick a time, the calendar that it's attached to has to block out like it doesn't matter if it's a dentist appointment or a work thing, like it has to be blocked out. Yeah. So, you know, I've always, I've always been very happy having one integrated calendar. Uh, but this, this would be sort of an argument against that. Well, here I'm, I'm, I'm actually, as we speak, I'm going to click on the one way sync button and uh, <laughs> un, undo, undo this. Like here it says like, so if you do one way sync, then right, then your CRM stuff goes under calendar and only edits to CRM activities will sync back to pipe drive. Okay. That, that seems more reasonable to me. Oh, oh, but it does sync those back. So you can change, you can change pipe drive things in your calendar and those at least will go back. Yes, exactly. Oh, 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 that's, that's all. That's great. You yeah, should. Do you, like have a, do you have a? Do you have an affiliate there. link? Uh, I'm pretty sure. I, I, pretty sure I, I do. I do somewhere. Yeah. I'll. It, it'll show up in the show notes, or at least in our Skype <laughs> conversation here. <laughs> yeah, in the show notes. There you go. You'll pipe drive free for the rest of your life. Um. Oh, this is this is. I'm glad we're having this conversation. You might be. You guys might be convincing me. I, I'm telling you, like I really, I. I it, it's sort of like. This is gonna. Uh, it's sort of like years and years ago. I remember hearing people talk about databases, and I'd be like, "Oh, come on! Like, what do you need a database for?" Right? Fast forward twenty five years, and it's like, "Oh my God, what was I thinking? It was so stupid!" Right? Clearly, databases are super powerful and useful. So I, I feel like I've had a, a similar aha moment with CRMs now, where okay, I get it. I see how they're powerful and useful for certain people. Like, if you're uh, like. 
if, if you're just working for, you know, for a company, if you're just an employee doing engineering or graphic design or whatever it is, then clearly it's not important to you. This is the use for people in sales cycles. But if you're a freelancer and you're running your own sales, I see now already how in the short term it helps me to organize things. In the long term, it will give me this nice big picture of who I've talked to and when and how. Yeah, that was my you know, next I question. Think, oh, go ahead, Eric. So I think one thing that you could do if you're out there listening and you want to know if it would benefit you is start to make like a, even if it's just a spreadsheet, like something low barrier to entry where you start listing all of your clients and go back through your inbox. Who have I worked with in the past? Who was a prospect? And if you start to find yourself surprised, oh, I forgot about them, you know, and realizing that that there's a big gap between what's in your head and what is actually there in reality, then it's probably a good sign that this would help you. There's just a big gap in my head in general. (laughs) (laughs) So Ruben, one of the things that I would be, what was the sort of onboarding process like when you started using it? Because like I I would be, I I had this feeling already of like, Ray, I'm going to do it and take the plunge and sign up for it. And it's just an empty database now. And it's only going to become useful after a year. And I've been entering data in it. Like, is there any, any backfilling you can do? Or can you sort of retroactively send things to it to kind of, you know, kind of seed it with some useful data so you can kind of feel like it's making a difference right away? I'm sure you can. Um, like I didn't, I have like, I'm just looking now, I think I have like 20 people, 25 people in it so far. And what happened basically was I said, okay, starting today, every time I talk to someone about sales stuff, I'm going to enter them in the CRM and whether I'll do it directly or I'll do it through their BCC link, I'm just going to do that. And so it's taken a month or so to get to 20 some odd people. Um, and I have them marked off here where some of them are, you know, hot leads where, where we are you know, talking about a deal. And some of them said, basically, buzz off. I'm not interested in using your services. And most people are somewhere in between. Um, and so I'm sure there's a way to like, if, first of all, if you integrate it with your mail, I'm sure there's a way to just have it sort of suck all the names out of there. But I, I don't know if I'd want to do that. Um, there was probably a way to like import a CSV or something. That's got to be possible somehow or other. Yeah, um, I, mean, I, I think the, I think right now Drip is the biggest repository of potentially useful information for something like a CRM. So, oh yeah, yeah. yeah I was gonna say, I, I sort of imagine that if you're using it for the deal tracking and follow up use case, that it's a lot quicker to get to it's proving value than if you're trying to do the analytics after the fact deal where you really do have to get a lot of data seeded in there for the patterns to start to emerge. Yeah. Yep. You're right. Interesting. At the end of the day, like, I mean, my corporate clients are not that numerous. Um, My individual clients are like very large because of the online sales and the mail list and everything. Um, So really, like I don't have that many corporate clients, although although like tomorrow morning I'm flying to PyCon, to the Python conference, where I'm going to have a booth and and so forth, and I'm going to be handing out T-shirts, and everyone gets a T-shirt. I'm going to be scanning their badge and getting their information, and many of those are then going to be uploaded into PipeDrive. And so one of my incentives for getting this set up was so that before I go to the conference, I can be ready to handle large numbers of potential clients and leads. And then follow through and know who I've talked to and who I haven't. 
Yeah. The other thing that's attractive about this to me is that in the past six months or so, I, I started working with a VA who I'm really happy with. And it would be, it sounds like the perfect place to plug someone in to help with doing things that I know I should be doing, but I'm not doing, uh, you know, in, in, in that, in the process uh, or even have just have another pair of eyes on it be like, Hey, did you notice that, you know, X, Y, and Z happened? So it feels like, it feels like the kind of thing that once I put it in place, I'd be able to hand off some, some easy to hand off things that are actually, that would actually have very high value outcomes that I don't have to actually do myself, which is always nice. That's been my experience with it because we, it's a collaborative thing and I'm in there less than um, <clears throat> someone else in the organization. So there is a lot of opportunity there. Yeah. Just make sure that that, that they uh, copy you on email so you're not surprised by them. <laughs> 40, 40 new customers. What? <laughs> exactly. Thanks, but, yeah. Any other uh, CRM faults? No, oh, that's cool. I'm convinced. I, I am actually going to. I wrote down some action items for myself. <laughs> Whoa. I'm going to check it out. Whoa. Excellent. All right. Well, if there are no other uh, comments about CRM stuff, maybe we'll uh, head off to picks. Uh, Eric, what you got this week? So I recently actually received a gift through this service called Giftly. And it sort of interestingly solves the kind of classic problem of you want to get someone a personalized gift, um, but you also maybe want to get them a gift card or like money, like flexibility. Uh, at any rate, um, because we're on the road and uh, a long way from her, my mom got me a gift through this service. And basically it lets you go in and pick out like suggested gifts for somebody. But in the end, it kind of converts on the back end to cash. So it's like, here are some nice things I thought of that you might want and go get with this gift. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's up to you. So that's called Giftly. And it's, I think, an interesting way to send gifts to people that are a long ways away. Um, the second one is I've never historically been the biggest fan of the job interview and tech, the way it's conducted. And I just stumbled across this article from a few years ago that's really great in describing how much subjectivity that we bring to that process and advising on ways to try to remove some of the subjectivity there. Um, so it's a pretty fascinating, albeit somewhat lengthy read. And uh, that's all I've got this week. Okay, uh, Jeremy, what you got? Uh, I'll just pick uh, Sane Later that I mentioned earlier, uh, sort of an email management tool that also has some very simple CRM type things like resurfacing emails when you need them. Uh, it's been useful for me mainly for helping me keep my inbox clean, but those other things are uh, somewhat useful and could be helpful to people that aren't ready for a full-blown CRM. All right. How about you, Jonathan? You got anything? Yeah, it's not related to this episode, but I, I know that uh, Freelancer Show listeners would absolutely love this interview. Um, Rochelle and I interviewed Charles Green of Trusted Advisor fame on the Business of Authority. And by the time you're listening to this, that episode will be out. And uh, if you're not familiar with the book, well, I'll pick the book. The, the book Trusted Advisor was like a watershed moment in my freelance slash consulting career back in maybe 2003 or something. 
I mean, it's a, it's, uh, it's coming up on its 20 year anniversary. It's a must read book for people in the service business. And it's all about building trust with the clients. And obviously that's important in the sales process, but it's also important in the delivery process because if they don't trust you and you deliver them, say a design or something, they might not like it. They might not go with it. Uh, if you design something for them, a process or something, they don't implement it. It's very frustrating. It doesn't, it, it, you know, it, it doesn't help anybody if they call you in for advice and then they don't actually act on it. So this book is, is like the gold standard for dealing with that sort of a thing. And he, uh, Rochelle and he met, they know each other. He came on and did a, just an amazing interview about trust, why it's important, how it's built. Uh, it just unbelievable. It, it was an unbelievable interview. So check that out at the business of Look for the Charlie green episode and, uh, check out the trusted advisor. If you haven't read it yet, it's a fabulous, fabulous book. That's it for me. Okay. So I've got, uh, I guess three picks for this week. So first of all, I mentioned earlier, Dan Lyons' book, uh, disrupted. Um, it is uproariously funny. Um, I definitely recommend anyone working in the computer industry or with uh, startups should read it. It's really, really, really good. Um, it's one of these page, page, books where like, I was just laughing out loud on every page. And I know it might sound like I do that all the time, but this book especially so. Um, second thing is uh, self-promotion. So my first ebook from a few years ago, which I call Practice Makes Python, is now, as of a few days ago before this, um, this recording, is now being published by Manning, uh, and it has been renamed the Python Workout, and it's been massively expanded. It's now available in their online preview system, what they call MEEP, and that is for Manning Early Access Program. And the idea is right right now, three of the 10 chapters are up. Another three chapters should be up within a month or two because I finished editing them, and they just need to go through the process. And then I'll get the other four chapters up, and it's probably going to be a good six or eight months before like the final version is there. Um, but like it's falling into place. It's much better and bigger and more detailed than before. Um, and it's amazing what some good professional editors with other perspectives can bring. I've really been, by the way, very impressed with Manning and everything they bring to the table in terms of editing and publishing. And um, so you can check that out. And I've got an affiliate link or not an affiliate link. What is it called? Discount code. Discount code. Not the same thing uh, for people who listen to the show as well. So that's the Python workout. Um, and my last pick is a bit of an odd one. So I mentioned before, I read the New York Times and they had like an ad for their food section. They have this new like food section that they're trying to make money on. Um, now I've not subscribed to it, but the sample recipe that they had there for this food section to entice people sounded incredibly revolting. And yet they said, this is one of the most amazing things you can ever have. And I must admit, I tried it earlier today and it was amazing. So sit down while I tell you that I made a sandwich with peanut butter, pickles, and hot sauce. What? If, you, if oh, you've gross. never tried this. Now, I'm telling you, I looked at this before eating it and thought, this is either one of the most amazing things I'm ever going to have or one of the most revolting things I'm ever going to put in my mouth. It was extraordinary. So I encourage you to get over the ick factor. Try it. Um, you will thank me. And if you don't, you won't be alive to complain. So it's fine. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, so that is our show for today. Thanks guys, as always for participating in our panel. And thanks to all of you out there for listening. If you have suggestions for our show, please get in touch with us. 
and suggest people we can interview, ideas we can discuss, problems you are having as a freelancer, good things you're having as a freelancer. We always love to hear from our listeners. And we'll be back next week on The Freelancer Show. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.